Thanks for joining us on the Church of the Lakes podcast, where we inspire life, share life, and give life. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at cotlakes.com. We'd love to connect with you. Now, let's go to the message. I want to jump in. I, I have, for some of you that you don't know, our online presence, I have video of that, that teaching during the week. It's the same teaching you're about to hear, but I have video in the week so that it's going live right now while I'm talking. There's a live version of the same teaching going on. Well, I can cut a whole bunch of stuff out. And Lizzie always tells me what I track. She's always keeping track of time so that I'm, I'm getting you guys out of here so you can think about the stuff I'm doing, right? So, so, uh, so I, my time, I had taken a whole bunch of stuff out. And we got done with the end of recording. She was like, 52 minutes. I was like, oh, that, that was kind of long. So I've taken a bunch more stuff out, but I'm running you down and talking really, really fast and trying to get everything that I have to say today because I think the Holy Spirit has a lot to say on this topic today, okay? Because here's the topic, you ready? I'm just going to give it to you up front. Distractions. Anybody feel distracted in your life? I'm entitled to this message. Squirrel. so many messages and so much stuff coming at me, right? And we've been in this series today, is the ending of a series called Marked, where we've been talking about the calling of God on each one of our lives. If there's an individual calling that you have, like God is placing things in you that this world needs to know and he needs you to participate in. So Ephesians 1 and 13 is one of our verses that we've used all the way through. It says that you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. So at one point, most of you had the opportunity, you heard the message of truth, right? What you go to says the gospel of your salvation. You heard this message, Jesus died for me, rose again. If I accept him as my Lord, not just Savior, not just friend, but Lord over my life, then I get eternity with God in return and a life to the full. We forget that part, and we'll talk about that next week for Easter. But life to the full. It says that when you believed, you were marked. You were marked. You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And I think it's with that in mind that then Paul writes Ephesians 4.1, which is our other verse we've been looking at every week that began. It says, therefore, Paul responds, therefore, I, a prisoner serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Like I said, I think that the number one thing, this is my opinion, but I think the number one thing, especially in the United States, that's keeping us from our calling is distractions. It's distractions. It's safe to say our culture deals with more distractions than any, any previous culture in history. Right? Most of us feel like we're constantly being pulled in, in, in different directions. I saw, saw a bumper sticker that said this. God loves you, and everyone else has a wonderful plan for your life. Come on, is that not true? Right? Like, everybody's got an idea what you should be doing. And, and, and everybody's got an idea. And, and now we've got a way to tell each other social media. We can, we can tell each other what they should be doing, right? You ever find yourself wishing you had a do not disturb button maybe on your forehead? Like on the phone where you can do the do not disturb on your phone. You don't, you don't play the right kind of thing. Or you can just like. When you allowed on, you know, no, I don't want to watch Frozen again with the kid. Um, this thing, this thing right here, come on somebody, this thing right here is, is the biggest distraction device ever created in the history of the world. 
It gives everyone the common swaths of people instant access to me. Right? And I started thinking about it. I've had the same phone number as a pastor here in Leesburg for 17 years. You know, like thousands of people have this phone number. Like, there's a few times I've thought about maybe I have time to change the phone number. You know what I'm saying? Right? Because it's phone calls and text messages and, and everything on and on. And, 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 and it disrupts the best part of my day. I, I just stopped this practice. I just, I'm going to encourage you with this today. Maybe just some of you don't think about this. How many of you guys use a Bible app or a devotional or do that kind of thing? That's what I've been doing for a while now. I just stopped. And you know why I stopped? Because come on, somebody. You pick up your phone, you start trying to do your Bible app, and you're reading about the graces of God, and He's so awesome, all this sort of stuff. 20 minutes later, you are reading about the five craziest things Justin Bieber did on his honeymoon. You know that's true. Or some other crazy political opinions or stories or everything else. There's a book. There's a book that was written 12 ways our phone is changing you. If you want to feel really bad about yourself, you should buy it and read it. 12 ways your phone is changing you. It says that the average person checks their phone 81,500 times a year. That's every 4.3 minutes. Let me put that in perspective. That means most of you are going to check your phone eight times before I finish the sermon. Right? So I'm just going to give you information. Just this one Sunday, you can be the phone Nazis. Like, look down your aisle. Right? Now, some people take notes on their phone. I get that. But listen to me. Don't be distracted because God might want to say something to you today about the very thing that Satan might use to distract you while it's being said to you. Or are you talking about me? Right? There's something about the stupid red dots. The red dots, you know what I'm talking about? The little notification pods. And I know some of the seniors, that's the technology's like thing, but there's these little red dots that pop up to let you know there's a message or there's somebody. And is anybody else as crazy as I am? Is that there's a red dot? I need to check it. Right? Distraction. Distraction. Matter of fact, distraction does not produce happy, well-balanced, or productive lives. It just, it just doesn't. Matter of fact, in the Middle Ages, catch this, they had a form of torture that they used. What they do is they would tie a rope to each one of the limbs and put it to four different horses and then send the horses going. Do you know what the French called it? Distraction. No kidding. That's where the word actually comes from, is being pulled apart. What a great picture of our lives. You ever feel like you're literally being pulled apart, death by distraction? One person counselor says that distraction destroys more relationships than just about anything else today. Distraction, he says, makes intimacy impossible. Because you see, in order for someone to feel intimate with you, be it a spouse, a kid, anyone else, good friend, they have to believe three things about you. One, they have to believe that you consider them a priority in your life. Number two, that you have plenty of unrushed time available for them. And number three, you are giving them your undivided attention. Hold on just a second. How often do we do that? How often is that reality? So busyness and distraction makes those three things impossible. So distractibility, this counselor says, keeps most of our relationships shallow, including our relationship with God. Studies have shown 
Not distraction makes us ineffective. Greg McCown wrote a book called Essentialism. It's not a Christian book. It's just a, it's a book, but he explains in the book that the new cool word for distraction is, can you guess? Multitasking. I'm just a multitasker, right? And he says it's the greatest hoax of our generation. We think it means that we're on top of things and efficient, but all it really means is that we're distracted and not doing anything very well. The word multitasking, a little history, was invented in 1965 by IBM to describe how a computer could do multiple things at once. But the problem is that the human mind isn't wired exactly like a computer. It doesn't work that way. See, consciousness pretty much is in one place at one time. So here's what happens. Research says most of us that sit at a desk check our email every five minutes. So those of you who are you checking email, you check your email, you check your email, listen to me. What happens is the research says it takes 64 seconds for your brain to refocus back on whatever it was. That means if you check your email every five minutes, every five minutes you're losing a minute of your day in refocusing. And when we're, we're, we're just, when we're just, we're pulled. It's, it's, it's so McCowan, he, he makes the statement. So when I hear people say they're multitasking, all I hear is my attention is scattered, I feel stressed out, and I don't do anything well. Jesus tells us in the parable of the seeds. Remember the parable of the seeds and scattered in the seeds and they fell on four different ground. Listen to me. What was the problem in that story? You go back and read it. It was distraction. It was being pulled away to something else. It was, it was being pulled. To, so I want to explore the only passage in the Bible where the word distraction is actually used. It's in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. We're going to open up there and read just a little bit. I want to show you what Jesus had to say about it. Very familiar story, Luke 10 and 38, is Jesus and his disciples were on their way. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparation that had to be made. Any ladies? Come on, ladies. Well, that's what it looks like on my house on Monday. trying to get ready for small group. So what it is, now you got to make sure you don't have the candles in the bathroom, the ones that sort of don't smell funky, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, people come to your house, you know what I'm saying? Right? And, and, and she was all about the preparation. What's interesting is the Greek word here, distracted, that this is translated from, also means pulled apart. Same as the French torture. Same concept. Jesus had come over to spend time with her, but she was being pulled apart by tasks. Luke 10 to 40. She came to him and asked, Lord? Don't you care what I just hear the attitude? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And then pretty much happens. Martha, Martha, Martha. Right? Martha, Martha. Some young people are like, what? Martha, Martha, Lord, you are worried and upset about many things. But check this, catch these words, keywords. But few things are needed. Few things are needed, but that's key. Or indeed, only one is really needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, to be clear, Jesus is specifically warning Martha about being distracted from him by anything else, right? Because knowing him is the most important thing. And no agreement But I think there are some important principles about distraction 
that we can learn here that we can apply to other parts of our life. Now, before I get into that, I'm going to get into more points today, but before I do, let me give you some an initial framework that I think we've got a framework behind you. Distraction is not the same as divine interruption. Distraction is not the same as divine interruption. See, Jesus seemed to be entirely indistractable. And at the same time, completely interruptible. He was indistractable, but he was completely interruptible. In John 4, we see not even his own hunger to keep him from pursuing God's will. His disciples, when they're hungry, they head off, they go to Golden Corral. He stays behind and he's at the well talking to the woman, and they come back, wiping off their lips. And all of a sudden they're like, Jesus, you're not even hungry? And he's like, I'm doing the will of my Father. I'm full. This, this, this is really the idea and the concept. And I think, man, you want to talk about indistractable? Come on, anybody else get angry like me? My spiritual gift is eating. Come on, somebody. Right? And I think about like if I was trying to counsel somebody and I hadn't eaten that, like he's counseling the woman at the well, I'm picturing like angry counseling. Yeah, your life sucks. Get Jesus. Now, next. Right? But now we see Jesus, he is completely. It's indistractable. Like he's focused because he's doing On the other hand, check this out. He's very interruptible. In John 5, Jesus allows his Sabbath to be interrupted to heal the man on the Sabbath. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? There's a difference between distraction and divine opportunity. Henry Blackaby, who wrote Hearing God's Voice, says this. Some people can be so disoriented to God, but when, it begins to, when he begins to work around them, they actually become annoyed at the interruption. Let me say it to you this way. Maybe we're so distracted that when divine interruption comes, we get aggravated because it takes away our schedule. See, the enemy, he doesn't need you to bow down to him. The enemy knows, he knows his ending. His ending is not that he's going to have a kingdom and a bunch of people around worshiping. He knows that's not the deal. He just wants to jack up God's kingdom because he knows the ending. That's all he wants to do is say, no, 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 come over here and do this. No, 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 come over here and do that. Oh, another patient. Who's that? Right? To distract us to the point where we're not actually paying attention to what God is doing. And I think most of us are so distracted that we don't recognize the divine interruption. We just see it as another distraction. Quite often the best moments in our lives come from unexpected interruptions, y'all, right? Like the best parenting moments? Come on, parents. They, they come at the most unrealized, weirdest time. They just come out of the blue. I, I don't know any of y'all ever tried to, I, I, I tried to, to schedule quality time with my kids. Like you try to schedule something that's going to be awesome in your head, you're like, man, they're, they're just going to cry, probably break into a worship song. It's going to be amazing. And it's lame and stupid. Come on. And there's no reason. No, 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 no. What happens is it's in these moments. See, because I am a firm believer that quantity leads to quality. You have to put the quantity in to all of a sudden happen. There's some of those best moments. The best witnessing encounters happen, come on, in an interruption. Are you hearing me? Just sort of out of the blue. People I, people I love, and I truly, <sighs> no one on my schedule, I'm just telling you, I don't know about you, but nobody on my schedule freaks out on my schedule. Like, in other words, I'm like, oh, I got a 2.30 nervous breakdown. It's 2.29, go ahead. 
in your family chaos happens. Your, 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 your radiator cracks and blows on the wrong day. It doesn't happen on the day when you're in front of the radiator shop. You understand what I'm saying? Like, this is a risk. Healthy Christian life is one in which you learn to avoid, catch this, unhealthy distractions so you can be open to divine interruptions. Let me say it to you this way. You ready? Avoiding worldly distractions while participating in divine interruptions. That is the Christian life. Avoiding worldly distractions that I might participate in divine interruptions. So, what can we learn from Martha and Mary from this particular um, this particular story of destruction that we might be able to put in our place? Number number one, here's what I would say. Let's talk about destruction. Destruction is often the good keeping you from the essential. Destruction is often the good keeping you from the essential. What Martha was doing was not bad, did you agree? Right? She was serving and taking care of people, using her spiritual gifts. You know, Jesus' general view of her was she, she had let the many good things take her away from the one essential thing. And in this case, what a foolish thing. Imagine if you're Martha and somebody the next day says, Oh my gosh, I want you to tell Jesus. She's like, I don't know, it was a bunch of dirty dishes and one of his dopey disciples dropped his water on the floor, you know, one like brand new rug. Like that, that was all. But what if somebody had asked Mary? Mary would be sitting there going, oh, he said this, and he said that, and I had this question, and he answered this question, I wanted that forever, and he answered this particular question. See, in that moment, there's this understanding of recognizing what is God doing? What is God about? We were talking about being marked. We were talking about finding our calling. Well, we're never going to find our calling that we're so distracted and busy and scheduled to hell that we have no ability to discern divine interruptions. Those moments when the dishes get away. I kind of wonder. I wonder if. I wonder if. If Martha had not done it the way she had done it, if we would have had another miracle in the Bible. Like, we've got the feeding of the 5,000. I wonder if we'd have had the deliverance of the dirty dishes on this particular day. You know, what else would there be to the story? What else would there be in that particular situation? Life is short. That's going to be tweets and Instagram and social media are always blathering on and on and on. And everybody's got an opinion. And honestly, can I say this to you? If you find out something 20 minutes later, nobody else is going to be okay. But there's something in us. FOMO. You know what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Right? FOMO. Do you know there's actually a term for fear of being away from this thing? Does anybody know what it is? Fear. It's an actual fear. Documented. They call it nomophobia. Nomophobia. You've never done that? Oh, my God. Oh. Where did that go? That's nomophobia. Right? This fear of, like, I'm going to miss out something. I, like, whether it be our ego candy, because if I get likes, I feel better about myself. Maybe. Just going to say it like it is today. Whether it's my entertainment drug. Do you ever see anybody standing in a line anymore just looking around or talking to people? No. Right? As soon as we stand in line, 
Remember in verse 41, Jesus called her worried and upset. Worried and upset about many things. The word worry is similar to distraction. It means torn into pieces in many directions. That's exactly what it means. Upset means to be tossed along like a capsized boat with no anchor. So Jesus diagnoses Martha as having an unhappy, unsettled, unanchored soul. And that that would not be said of me or of us. So Tom was the kind of person who needed to be needed. And I'm going to wait in a little bit and step on some toes here. But some of us really struggle with the need to be needed. In other words, we, we find our identity in the fact that somebody needs me. We, we find our identity, and that's, that was Martha. She didn't find her identity in Jesus. She found her identity in the service of, which is not the healthy one. That's that there's a dysfunctional point there, right? The, the, the kind of person who only feels significant when everyone is depending on them. But here's the question for Martha. Martha why should she, she need to feel needed by others to feel significant? When Jesus is right there and wants to spend time with her and, and, and make her feel special in that one way, you see the trade-off. And you and I do it every day. We do it every day. We trade off getting everything done and getting ready in the morning for time to sit at his feet. Come on. You know who you are and what's most important and priority. And it's killing a lot of us. She's looking for something in service that she can find in Jesus. You see, when Saul said and done, her distraction like ours comes from failing to believe the promises of God. A pastor that I read that said it kind of like this, we tend to stay over busy because we silently tell ourselves these things. If I don't do it as much as I possibly can, I'll never make it in life. But if I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'm going to fall behind. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'm going to be poor. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't be accepted. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I'll be disappointed to someone. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, I won't measure up. If I don't do as much as I possibly can, and you can go on and on and on. And some of us may allow the enemy to say these words to us. And then we pick them up and we say them to ourselves. So let me come back to that. What you need to do is just what Jesus tells you to do. What needs to happen tomorrow morning on Monday morning is whatever it is that Jesus tells you to do. And all the rest of the pieces, listen to me, will come into place. It will. Now, it may seem chaotic at first when you try to put something like that in play, because maybe you were ultimately distracted before, and so, yes, maybe some things fall off. Maybe some things need to fall off in our lives and our schedules to actually fulfill what it is that God has called us to do. See, Martha's disbelief led to a really awkward encounter, right? She rebukes Jesus. She accuses Jesus of not caring and telling him what to do. Can you imagine? See, what that shows is that distraction and the feeling of being overwhelmed in a hurry often comes from being terribly out of fellowship with Jesus. Well, that stings a little bit, doesn't it? The fact that we're pulled in so many places is actually a direct, direct reflection of our lack of fellowship with the Creator who wants to have 
relationship with us. Number three. Number three. Distraction entices an empty heart. Distraction entices an empty heart. Because Jesus was not in the right place in Martha's heart. Her soul craved the significance that came from serving. When our soul is out of fellowship with Jesus, we are always craving more, which is why our radar is always on for that next enticement. Come on, you know we're looking for that next. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the research that's been done. So the, the, the hit, and it's a hit, just like a drug, the hit that we get, right, in that social media moment, it's a dopamine hit. It's, it's just a drug inside of your body. It's the same exact drug that gets released when you do cocaine. Same, same exact drug that gets released from a man or a woman looks at porn. Right? It, it creates this scenario. So when we pick up that phone and we get that hit of dopamine, it's amazing because they've said, do you know what the perfect storm is? The smaller and quicker that hit, the more rapid the addiction loop circles. So it's amazing because you know what is a really good amount of characters? 140 characters. Does anybody know where that is? That's a limited number of characters that you can put in a tweet on Twitter. So like at some point, I'm not saying Twitter's bad, I'm not telling you to get off Twitter. What I'm saying to you is, you need to monitor and understand what we're doing when it comes to social media, when it comes to distractions. I mean, scientists say that the reason we're so attached to our phones is that when you look at social media and that dopamine release happens, Right? And it goes on and on inside of us, and we get that same high. That might be why the study showed 33% of people check their phone in the middle of the night. Or when they're bored, or don't know what to do, they instinctively reach for their phone. Let me ask you, do you do that? Now I will tell you, stand here in front of you. Yes, I do. Now, if you do that, or if you admit that, but I absolutely did. I caught myself this week just because I was coming to this and getting ready. And I was standing in line somewhere. And it felt awkward. Come on, somebody. Felt weird. Standing there. And nobody, has, nobody else on their phone. So, okay. See, so like, when it's over. Right? And so let me say, I know I, I just admitted it myself. But let me just say this to you. This is a sign of an unholy soul. That needs a hit of entertainment or distraction drug to feel quite satisfaction and enjoyment. Martha should have been a full of intimacy with Jesus in doing his will that she didn't feel the need to prove herself. So she could sit when he wanted her to sit and get up and serve when he wanted her to get up and serve. The answer to Martha's problem is to get close enough to Jesus to sense the warmth of his love and to know when he wants you to do something. And so the battle of our soul is this distraction thing. It's pulling us away from knowing what it is that God wants us to do. It's amazing because Mary, it says that she sat down at Jesus' feet. There's two things that that tells us. One is she's listening. And two, in the Bible, anyone sits at someone's feet is a sign of putting yourself under their authority. She's listening and she's submissive. The key for us to deal with distraction is to find ourselves listening and submissive to what it is that God is telling us. But you have to put yourself in that situation, away from those distractions, to hear that still small voice. Does that make sense to anybody? The answer to feeling distracted is to get focused and submissive. You can't just come and sit through an occasional sermon. 
that that doesn't like that was sitting at Jesus' feet. That's not. Listen, sitting at Jesus' feet means devoted personal time, paying attention. See, first of all, you'll feel his warmth and his love. And then you want to always feel like you got to prove yourself. Or take that next selfie so you can have a bunch of likes. Second, because when we're in touch with the Spirit, we'll be aware of divine interruptions. That's why Martin Luther said, I've got so much to do today, I've got to spend more time in prayer. Because he understood this direct correlation of, I've got to have time with my Creator to fulfill what it is that He has called me to do. So we should get up in our quiet time and say something like this, God, what do you want me to accomplish for you today? What do you want me to do today? Here's the last one. I'm going to close. Number four. Distractions rule an unprioritized heart. Distractions rule an unprioritized heart. See, the necessary component of being focused on what you need to be focused on is saying no to other good things. How many of you are like me? You're really bad at saying no. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll get that. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. Martha needs the ability to say no to legitimately good things so she can say yes to the best things. One of the most valuable things I ever learned was somebody said this to me. Whenever you say yes to something, you are going to have to say no to something else. So I learned very quickly in ministry. People are like, oh, Pastor Mike, Will you come over and meet with this group? Will you come and speak over here? Will you come and do this? And I had to come to the point where I stopped. But, but if I say yes there, I'm saying no to my kids. If it's a night. If I say yes to that, I'm saying no to date night. Because that's supposed to be me and Jen's date night. But this is a really good opportunity. This would be great for the church. This is, come on, y'all. We, we have come to arguments. There's all kinds of things. It would be a really good deal. Man, I can make a whole bunch of money out of this one deal. And that gets Disney next year. And how many of you know there's a deal next year and the Disney trip never happens? Right? It's just, it's just a cycle of distractions that the enemy has us caught into. Many of us are asking, how can I get more done? And I suggest there's a better question. How about this? Am I sure I'm getting the right things done? You're not supposed to do everything. That's a lie of this culture, too. Are you supposed to do it all and juggle it all, right? What's that little something? What's that? That was all commercial. She popped in my head. I can't remember the whole thing. But something about the woman. She can, uh, she can work all day and then fry it up in the pan. Okay, some of y'all people just remember what I'm talking about. This is something you can't do it all. You can't do it all day and fry it up in the pan and take care of the kids. And you cannot do that at some point. You're going to have to choose. Let me say it to you this way. you got to choose where you're going to cheat. Somebody's going to get cheated. Kids are going to get cheated. Your, your marriage is going to get cheated. Your workplace is going to get Something's going to get cheated because you don't have so many days, so many hours in the day. But an unprioritized heart gets enticed into distraction because I don't have priorities. I have a prioritize. No, my marriage is number one. So I don't do, I lose that business deal because I have to go deal with my marriage. Right? And I lose this opportunity because I need to focus on what my kids and what they need from me right now. This, this is prioritization, man. Success. I think success is determined as much by what you don't do as by what you do. Right? You've got to get clear on whose opinion matters. 
What this story shows us is that distraction grows out of a messed up heart. One more point, and I just asked Lizzie once I said this, I just told her I'm supposed to leave it on the screen for the rest of the service. Because here's what it comes down to. Horizontal dysfunction. Anybody have any dysfunction in your family? Anybody? Okay, there's four or five of us. Gosh, y'all are all holding. Horizontal dysfunction. Any dysfunction with other people. In any unhealthy relationship. Horizontal dysfunction ultimately goes back to vertical disruption. You tracking that? Are you hearing that? But when, when I'm not in line with the Creator, when, when I'm not having time where I actually sit still and read God's Word and say, Jesus, show me who you are and show me who I am, that I might better reflect you today. Help me to know what it means when there's a divine interruption. Help me to get rid of so many of the distractions and better balance so, so what did I do? I stopped doing I stopped doing my devotionals on my phone. I just had to. Tired of reading about Justin Bieber. Right? You want to read about Jesus, and next thing you read about Cardi B or some craziness. So I went back to, wait, check this out. Old school. I actually woke up in a Bible now. But the, the kids, there's these things called books. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I literally am opening up my Bible now, and it's amazing how I'm not distracted. And I know there's no red dots in my Bible. There's no dinging. There's no nothing. It's not, what is it that's, that's distracting me? What is it that has gotten to a place where distraction of business, it, it, it comes from being out of fellowship with Jesus. So let me give you some, I'm going to close with some really practical, silly stuff. And I just thought of that. I thought, how do we deal with this? Are there some changes? Okay, how about this? How about you take the first 15 minutes of the day and be with Jesus? And if there's anything that distracts you, it's no longer parked. This is probably a really good place to start. Right? And this goes maybe to the other side of the house. Just, just take 15 minutes and get a little old school. You get in a place where you can be quiet. And I promise you, for those of us who are highly distracted, haven't been doing this for a while, that's going to be the longest 15 minutes of your life at first. Really? Because sitting quietly for that amount of time is tough. But Mike knows in me it's a sign of an unhealthy heart, an unhealthy soul. If I can't sit still, I can't sit still, I can't hear the voice of God. How about this one? How about throughout the day? How about we keep our phones in our pocket and we only check it at set intervals? I challenge you to start scheduling your social media, your phone time, all that sort of stuff, so that you can live in the moment. So that you can pay attention to your spouse. I mean, I did it to Jen the other day. She started saying something to me, and ding, I picked my phone up. Like, this is my wife right in the middle of her words. What kind of dark are you, dude? Come on. Let's be honest. I, in that moment, said, whatever wiener has got a message for me is more important than you. And how, how jacked up is that? How jacked up do we get in this moment? So can I say, I'm, I'm preaching a mic today, too. Are you, are you hearing me? I hope you don't hear me like just wagging a finger at anybody. Because the Holy Spirit's all over me, too, about how distracted I get and 
many things I got going on. And I called up and I said, yes, yes, I'll do this, yes, yes, yes. Last week I had one day, that lunch I had three lunch appointments on one day. Should I be too far? Yeah. Right? Come on, come on. Come on, guys. Stop chasing this crazy world that is telling you there's there's more and there's more and there's more. How about this one? Here's a suggestion. Very practical. How about on your social media, you unfollow anyone you envy? A triple dog dare you. If you have one little feeling of, I wish I unfollow. Or at least hide it so you don't see all their posts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it's not producing anything healthy in you. It's not producing anything healthy in your heart at that moment. How about reviewing our priorities every once in a while? What roles do I need to fulfill? What tasks are really need to be accomplished? Review with your spouse. Like what are we doing as, an, as a couple, as, as a family? Most of all, though, I've got to reprioritize my time with Jesus. Horizontal dysfunction always ties back to vertical disruption. Always, always, always. So let me, let me end with us. Two possible decisions you can make. I mean, based on, I think, what the Holy Spirit is saying to all of us today. One is, for some of you, maybe... As I talked about having this relationship with Jesus, or they feel this warmth of his love, and I kind of think, that just kind of seems out a little foreign to you. You don't, you don't know what I'm talking about there. And that's maybe because maybe you never started a relationship with him, which is really what this is all about. It's not a religion. It's not that we do it all the right way. It's that you get caught to the creator of the universe, and you have a relationship with him, and you actually start to learn to communicate. And you can give your heart to him, and you say, I don't understand it all. It does feel kind of weird because it's a spiritual thing and I'm in a natural body, but I feel this pull. And so, you know what? I'm going to surrender my life to God because I want to live it your way. And then I start to surrender. And then I go to his word. And whatever his word says, that's what I do. That's what it means. In this culture today, so we're trying to change what God's word says. And the culture around us is trying to compromise. That's not who Jesus' followers are. We don't compromise. We're not following our culture. We're following Jesus, what he says goes. And today you can just simply say, Jesus, I give you my heart. Come into my life. Be my Savior today. The other decision I think for most of us growing up is some reprioritization, right? Is, is, is and I need to spend a little time this week looking at my distractibility. Because it's my distractibility that's keeping me from my calling. Because I don't have the opportunity to recognize divine interruption when God is trying to do something through me. Does that make sense? And so I just, I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge us all. If God's challenged me, and I can see there give you a list of things that personally over the last couple of weeks I've been going, I need to change this, and I need to change that. And I'm going to go back to taking social media off of my cell phone. I still need that kind of access to it all the time. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you got to do. To follow Jesus, it's better. It's better than all this stuff that we just get these little dopamine hits with in our lives. Does that make sense? Let's pray and ask God to help us with that today. God, I admit, I wrestle with so many distractions. As I'm talking to you, God, my Apple Watch is going off. It's amazing. To give us courage 
the things of this world that continue to distract us. Holy Spirit, speak to each individual right where they are today. What is it, God? It's a distraction. What is it, Holy Spirit, that we allow to continue to, 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 to completely keep us unfocused on what you're trying to do and the calling that you have on our lives? And then give us courage that as we get up from these seats that we actually do something about it. We make a change. We put something away. We turn something off. For those, God, that need to give their heart to you for the very first time, Holy Spirit, can do something very real to them today. As they pray something like this, Jesus said, I give you my heart. Give you my life. I want to serve you as best as I know how. Thank you for dying for me and for forgiving me of all my sins. I give you my heart. I ask you to come into my life and live through me. And I might fulfill what you have created me to do. Just pray all of it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, now, before we kill this atmosphere at this moment, this is not a Passover message. It's not a Passover message. Some of your parents are sitting there thinking, I hope my teenagers pay attention to this. I'll pass it over to them. This is a message that the Holy Spirit, I believe, has sent to each one of us nine or ninety nine. Are you hearing me? Because maybe it's not social media, but maybe I spend, you know, more time playing pickleball or hockey. Come on. There's a feeling what it is that God's called me to do for us, and He's got me in the retirement area or the villages or whatever it is. Come on. That's why I. I, I I just want to challenge you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a little pastorly and a little strong this morning. Because my fear is that some will get up from these seats tonight and go, man, I was, I was challenging you. I was pretty tough. Blah, blah, blah. Walk out the door and pick up the exact same distractions that we did before and go with the exact same things. Why is it that God is calling you to change? Even though it's little, even it's small, something different. Have this conversation with your spouse. Have this conversation with your kids. If you're single, have this conversation with a friend to keep you accountable. Here's some things that I need to do differently because I want to see God fulfill what He has called me to do through my life. So much so that I'll do whatever it is to pull that away. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love to help you on your next steps. Please visit cotlakes.com. Join us weekly as we continue to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in our community.